podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap. Neil Atkinson, Adam Smith, John Gibbons and Paul Senior with you. This week on the Anfield Wrap, in association with Reds Bet. We're going to be talking more about Reds Bet later on during this show. But if you are going to gamble, please think about doing so with Reds Bet, where 50% of losses do go back to Liverpool support and causes. Uh, BeGambleAware.org for more information about gambling responsibly. But the premise of this show, our show this week, is that Klopp and his team went off to Tenerife uh, for a week uh, and to have a lovely big chat, presumably. But you would think also do some work whilst having a lovely big chat. So we're going to have that chat about what we think they talked about. And John, I don't think it's unreasonable to presume they were talking about four things. The first one being the rest of this league season. The second one being the approach to the Manchester City game. The third one, I think, will be the summer tour and the start of next season. And they'll also obviously be having a conversation about the squad and how to strengthen it going into next season. Do you think that's all fair? Yeah, I do, yeah. And I think it's really good that they've done it as well. I think I think getting away uh, is generally a good thing in terms of clearing your mind, in terms of being able to look at things in a, in a very different way. I'm sure they've been able to relax as well and been able to enjoy themselves, but there'll, there'll have been time where they've been focusing on on what is now a very important part of the season. And that's great as well. That's really good that we're able to be going into April with things to play for because that hasn't always been the case for Liverpool the last 20 years. So it's good that we've got an important stage of season. It's good that they're, they're looking at it like that. But as you rightly point out, there'll be things to be, to be looking at moving forward as well. Okay, you know, look at the season so far. What What, what is it? Where, where do we drop points and how can we make sure that doesn't happen next season? And then, yeah, there's a pre-season tour to sort out and because... People will be asking for things from them, and I, I gather the year and Klopp has to have as, as the final say on anything. If he if he doesn't think it's right for the team, it doesn't happen, which again is a good thing. So I'm sure they'll be talking about that too. They will, Paul. I think that you know we, we can because we sort of take the games one at a time, and because managers, football managers, say things like, "Well, it's one game at a time." We presume we sort of take that at face value in that. I suspect that's what they try to sort of drum into their players most of the time. It's one game at a time. But simultaneously, if you're Jurgen Klopp, you've got to know now what you're going to be doing in July and August. You can't, you know, th- these these processes take time. You're working on it all the time. But the idea of getting away and having a few days to focus to say this is what we're about, this is what this 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 gap will be for. Yeah, I, I would say it's one game at a time for the players, but but not necessarily for the coaching staff. The coaching staff have got a have got to focus on on the long term. You know, otherwise they wouldn't be making transfer plans in time and they fall behind. It's very, sort of very basic in that sense. I, I think a lot of this is obviously how, how, they, how they approach the rest of the season in terms of where, where the priority lies, whether they'll have certain scenarios, I imagine, whether there'll become a point where they have to shift focus from the league to the Champions League. Obviously, that's very much dependent on what you say, Manchester, the Manchester City fixture. But also, the manager's always said about the emphasis about about how pre-season is. You know, you've you've heard interviews with the players before and saying sort of just how intense that is. And I can imagine coming into his third full season that that is going to be even stepped up even more. You know, we've obviously got some new arrivals coming in, and I honestly think this. You know, you've referenced on shows last week, Neil, quite a lot about the ninety points thing. I do massively agree with you. I think this is the year where he really, really goes for his first title push. So, yeah, um, I think I think there'll be a, a lot of forward planning done. I'm glad to see the manager gave a few lads a week off. It sometimes when these international breaks are going on and you hear managers moaning about exhaustion, you wonder why when they get the opportunity to, they don't just let the lads go and sit on the beach. They've done that. So, here we are. I think uh, some, some fresh new ideas. And even... In the dead rubbers towards the end of the season, I think you might see bits of where this has been, 
worked on because you I, might see little formation changes and I love Paul Senior's dead rubber confidence there Adam you know Paul Senior's already writing off May it's just a fact finding exercise in the league it's all right but with me. to uh, to get that done though Liverpool have got a it's what occurred to me when I was sort of settling down on this one is that we're really focused on City and rightly so I think every Liverpool supporter in their minds is focusing on City but for, for Klopp and his, and his team there's three league games coming where you know, Liverpool have got to be looking to take seven points minimum uh, in order to keep the wolf from the door of the, the fourth place qualification. Um, Palace, then there's the City City home, Everton, then there's the City away, and then Bournemouth. And, it, you know, the first thing around this is that, yes, we're going to just want that qualification against City, get into those Champions League semi-finals, but they've got to, they've got to get those results because we want to be in it next year as well. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because I think there's... Any any walk of life, and I don't care what your job is, I don't care what your profession is, that any walk of life, if you've got something big on the horizon, it's in the back of your mind. And, you know, I yeah. agree with what... I think Paul's nailed it when he said, for the, the players have got to think the next game's the only one that matters, but the coach and stuff have got to look ahead. But at the same time, the players will be looking, and, you know, City is just such a huge game on the horizon for all that it entails. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, if, if, if you guys were doing a, an interview with Dal Gleish tomorrow, that'd be in the back of your heads, even when you're doing things like this, because you think, what questions are you going to ask? You know, all that sort of stuff. It Because that that's how... Those, big things come along on the horizon whatever the business you're in I think that well, we're not doing an interview with Dal Gleish tomorrow by the way from <laughs> the clear to anyone listening though if Kenny does want to get in touch we can change our minds spoiler yeah, Kenny doesn't answer my calls anymore <laughs> <laughs> um, but it does it, it just looms large on your life it doesn't matter what, you, what you're doing when there's something that big there and I, I think the, the biggest problem that, that Klopp and his team have got is figuring out what the best way of getting maximum points from all sort of maximum points from the league and and the best possible results from the city games are what that entails and whether or not it's a matter of saying the lads that are going to be majority thinking about the city game especially around Everton whether they're not the ones that you should play against Everton if you know what i mean so whether it's about bringing it not I think the thing is we've got a much stronger squad than I think a lot of Liverpool supporters give yeah. us credit for. And I think Klopp knows that as well. That said, I don't know whether wholesale changes necessarily do those same players that, you know, the world are good. So let's say, for example, they've got in their head where we're going to play a bat four of, say, Trent, um, Lovren, um, Van Dijk and uh, uh, Robert, Robertson against City. I don't know whether changing all four of them for the Everton game, for example, would do the back line the, the best of good because nece- are necessarily do you want Matip and uh, Clavan coming in cold to play a game alongside each other with nobody kind of holding the back foot? They're all the, the sort of things that, that you've got. The, the coaching staff are paid very good money to try and figure out. But if you're if you're Van Dijk and you know you've got a semi-final coming up in the Champions League... Are you going to go into a last-minute tackle where you might, you know, you're a little bit concerned? Are you going to dive into a 50-50? I don't know because I'm not a professional footballer, but they're the questions that the coaching staff have got to sit and think about the mentality of of certain players. I think I think part part of this plan as well, and Adam's right to references, is is the what some people will underestimate our squad strength. Liverpool can make six and seven changes from a game before. I don't think people notice sometimes just the, the amount of rotation that can go on. With obviously the most rotated sides in the league. I think coming into the, the latter part of the season, it's maybe even shown. But you're right to reference. I mean, if you talk about that that back four you spoke, you referenced then, that is probably the current back four. But at one point in time, the other back four was was one. I think it might be Burnley, maybe that we we go to with with that back four. So 
the, the, going into a derby or something like that with it's not a tragedy where in previous years you'll have been seeing that lads like Con, was it the Swansea game you've seen like Connor Randalls and people like that Chilavella yeah, really wasn't ready by the way oh absolutely wasn't but you see you're now seeing four senior professionals in these positions they're not, they're not lads who are playing under 23 football all the time they are they're international footballers all of these you know so it's not quite as tragic now to the drop off and I think part of the planning is I think the derby's is probably this year going to be one where you see rotation. I mean, we've seen, I suppose, Dom Solanke plays in the, in the the home game. I wouldn't be surprised to see if Dom Solanke starts the, the game at Goodison. Um, I think Ings is ahead of him now. It, yeah, he might be, but what, the, the point the point is the same that I don't I don't think it's going to be Firmino, Salah, Amane. You know, I think I think depending on how the first leg goes against Manchester City, that we're. Uh, we're going to see changes in that. I mean, I'm, I always think you should play your best team in the derby, but I'd be more understanding either side of Manchester City games, you know. So, um, yeah, I think that I think there'll be a, a bit of a plan, and in, obviously injuries can throw that out. But I, I think Klopp now between now and May will have almost his teams ready. I think you touch on a couple of good points there, Paul, in terms of first of all injuries, and you know we don't know we don't know the news mm. on Joe Gomez yet, but. I'm sure Klopp's looking at that and thinking, I can't, you know, this that's a lot of games for Trent. And and where where am I at with Nathaniel Klein? That's, that's and, the one, and, isn't and it? Where where am I at with him? Can I you know I don't think you'd necessarily want to throw him in, you know, cold against Man City, kind of get him on against Palace and see what he's looking like. Is Everton maybe even even one you don't really want to necessarily be throwing him at? I don't know. So be so injuries always kind of play a part, and I think <laughs> That Everton game, I think you'll almost have a best case scenario and a worst case scenario in that if we get B3 0 by Man City at Anfield, which could happen. I, yeah, I, could I, happen. I, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm sorry to point that out. They're a really good football team and they and they could just mm-hmm. they could just they could just do us and it could be not almost tie over. I don't want to see Danny Ings at Goodison then. Do you know no, what I mean? No. And so and so you're looking at it then and thinking, well, when you know, a bad a bad game can't become a bad week because if if that happens and I think that happened a couple of times to Brendan and where he, you know, he, he there was the, the famous one where he he sends the reserves to to to, to Real Madrid for, saving them for the Chelsea game and then we get beat anyway. And, yeah, yeah. And, and and he's he's lost he's lost I think he lost three games in in that week if you count kind of both weekends and and that can that can really hurt your season. It can really hurt your standing among supporters and and the belief in in the project if you like to to uh, to quote a Brendanism. And so yeah, I think he's I think he, that that's the kind of thing they'll be they'll be sat around these table looking for. Well, what's the best case scenario? The best case well or what's a good case scenario? The good case scenario is that we go to we're going to the Etihad for the lead, with a lead, yeah. in which case, you know, what 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 can we get away with against Everton? What do you think is a winning team against Everton? Because we want to put a winning team out, but you know, it's it's what it's what he feels like, you know, that how many how many players do I think I've got who can beat Everton? Is it seventeen? Is it twenty? You know, and then and then trying to kind of work them out, kind of from there. The positive the positive is though is what we've what we've all been saying. I suppose is that we're now in a position where we can, you know, you can go win Alden for Oxley Chamberlain. You can go Moreno for Robertson in games if you need. But we've been rotating the right back all year. That since Van Dijk's come in, it's been one of Lovren and Matter 
the the only constant has been the front three. And to be fair, they don't have, they haven't shown any signs of slowing down. This is in December. We're going into the Manchester City game. We've been going games week by week by week until we come back into two games a week. I th- I think he's a bit unfortunate. So I think we're a bit unfortunate. So now the fixtures have fallen. The Everton one being in the middle. Yeah, I mean that you know if the Everton one's the Saturday, Saturday, Wednesday. It's that's middle Saturday. It's Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So if the Everton one is to start or the end of that, I think it's much easier to say you put the first eleven out and you go from there. Uh, and you might, you know, you might have a couple of changes for fitness off the back of something. But are they come back from the international break or are they are after the Man City second leg? But it becomes a lot easier to just say, right, who are my best players who are fully available? Let's go with them. It falling when it does does throw open the idea of having to or feeling obliged to make a change in the Merseyside derby. Definitely, and I think. I wonder as well how much something like the the Funes Mori incident in with Origi ahead of the um, uh, Europa League yeah, yeah. that that how much that's playing in his head. Not that I'm suggesting that Evertonians, you know, that Everton players are necessarily deliberately trying to injure somebody, but uh, you know, I think that that kind of thing where it, you know where a heavy tackle might play on his mind a little bit over that sort of around that sort of time, and I, I think it's just uh, but. It's just very tricky, isn't it? Because they've got to think about which... I think Paul's absolutely spot on. I'm sorry, John, when he was saying about how many players have you got. (laughs) You better take good things. You know, listen, uh, praise for everyone. Um, But I think when John was saying about about how many players have we got that could be Everton and then looking at that and going, right, who's going to come into the side then and who's going to do it? And I think that the Palace game might tell us a lot about what he's thinking about the Everton game because I wonder whether certain people are going to get starts like Wijnaldum, for example, who hasn't been playing recently, who just hasn't got the hasn't got the minutes in his legs because he's been he was out ill for so long. And how much did he lose? Like three stone or something while he was out ill, something mad. Wish so, I'd get what he had. Uh, <laughs> so um, so he's got to th- so I wonder whether if not the start in eleven the substitutes and when they happen in the Palace game, will te- I wonder what that will tell us about Everton because I wonder if, if Ings comes on at 60 for Firmino, I wonder whether that's because he's looking to get legs into him before the Everton game, just, things like there's that. There's two ways of looking at the Palace game, isn't it? There's looking at it in terms of, you know, oh, who are lads who I need to be using and, and, you know, I mentioned Klein before, you've just said Ings. You might be thinking, well, if I'm, if I'm going to need them at some point and that points at Everton, then I'd rather not bring him fresh and I think that's understandable but I wonder whether he might be thinking I'd rather play my team who, who, who I'm going to play Wednesday I mean, and that's the trick isn't it and that, but that, and so that's why yeah. I wonder whether the subs might tell us yeah. more about you know if Klein again you know, if, the, if he makes say two subs around the 60 minute mark and one of them's Klein and another one's Wijnaldum yeah. that's probably saying they might get a start Quite against possibly, Everton yeah. he's, got a, he's in a nice position sorry Paul no, you're trying to get so he's I, in a nice position where I gather everyone's back quite handy, aren't they? And sometimes we've had situations where the Brazilian lads in especially um, have been kind of flown all yeah. over the place and stuff like that. I mean, one of them's gone now, so yeah, we don't have to worry about him anymore. Woohoo! Half uh, the fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what about that for Silverland? But, um, but I, I got, you know, the, 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 everyone seems to be in Europe, don't they? Mm. Um, seems to be playing handy in a part. I think everyone's been acclimatising to a Russian climate. Yeah, think. yeah. So everyone's everyone's kind of handy enough, and I gathered all kind of back Wednesday. So he's got like a little bit more time in terms of working with the players. Although I'm sure he's moaned about the early kickoff because he always does breakfast time. He calls it, doesn't he? Which I like. Um, but he's you know he's kind of complaining. He complained about that, but he has got that little bit of time. So I think he he might be thinking well, especially in midfield where we've seen so much rotation. 
And um, and then the, the forwards kind of picked themselves anyway. But that he might he might be thinking, do you know what? I'd rather I'd rather just pick the lads who, who I'm going to go with on Wednesday. And then there's enough recovery time for it to not bother anyone. I mean, we we've been looking at this from a Liverpool centric point of view. Have, have you seen Man City's ten days? It's 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 unbelievable. Yeah. They've got they've got Liverpool, Manchester United, Liverpool, and then Tottenham. Uh, uh, it's it's such it's such a big ten days for them. And Who's their first game, Paul? Who's their weekend game? Before before us, the, yeah, Everton. Yeah, so they're away at Everton, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, so they're away. They're away at Everton, which they've got a they've got a terrible record. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it, so you've got you've got them at Everton, but then from from us, I'm putting it into a, into a sort of title perspective here. They they obviously want to win the league against Manchester United, and that's huge for them. You know, you t- it was big for Arsenal. You know, with Will Tord and stuff like that. It's the biggest thing, probably on offer. For Manchester City is to win is to win the title against Manchester United. I, 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 I would imagine they want that put to bed. But we're talking about us. We've got we've got games against Crystal Palace and Everton. They've got Everton and Manchester United. You know, there's Man United is really good and Crystal Palace and Everton. There's been this chat about both of them being going down as of most of the season. So there's a there's a huge there's a huge difference to them in terms well, of the, yeah. the strength of side they can put out but and also if we're talking about a Funes Mori scenario that Man, Man City Man United game's got a has <laughs> got tons of potential for that oh of course yeah I mean you could, you could imagine Man United losing the red if it's going badly you know and leaving the tackling that they shouldn't or whatnot I mean this this is a, a big period for Man City in terms of them announcing themselves as not 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 a big club that's going to win the league because that's obviously what they're going to do. But a big club that's serious in Europe, serious domestically. That is now in the top bracket in world football. That is sweeping all before them. That's it. There's something else on that though in terms of announcing stuff, Paul. The other thing that occurs to me, and we because we love Liverpool first and foremost. There is a there's a conversation to be had here. I think about how significant this is for Jurgen Klopp. Mm. That. This is an opportunity for Klopp and his team, the very team he's gone to Tenerife with, where they can sit down and they can have plausible conversations about how we win the Champions League. And on a personal level, and listen, Klopp will talk about the team until the cows come home, and he knows it's the team that will get him over the line if he does this. But there is a personal level thing here, I think, which is this is this is enormous. You know, for those for those professionals, these football men, these men who have spent their lives working in football, this is playing and managing. This is absolutely huge, and I think that you know that's why it might well be that there might be a decision in there that you might not agree with or anything like that. But let's be really clear about this: this is this is a lifetime's ambition that's on the line for these lads. Of course, yeah, and I think and I think that the the decisions that you may not agree with are are likely to happen in the, in the Merseyside derby. I can I can I can see the weekend's game probably being a, a dress rehearsal or as close to being the side that plays Manchester City. But um, yeah, the the game the game against Everton, I can I can see being the one where you see decisions being made that you you wouldn't necessarily make because we're Liverpool fans and it means a lot to us to win the derby. That being said, you are right about the lifetime ambition thing. I mean, there's light at the end of the tunnel now. You're through the group stages, you're through the last 16, and now... It's five games. Yeah, it's five five games, European champions. It's, I was watching a bit of Jürgen Klopp videos last night, just silly ones on, on YouTube and whatnot. He has been seems to be doing a, a bit of media in his office recently, so uh, I, watched, I watched quite a few. And you can see, you can see there's, a, there's a bit of a disappointment that he hasn't won a trophy yet. You know, he's had two opportunities... And he, and he, I don't really think about the League Cup final or the Europa League final now because we've come so far. 
but you can hear, you can see for him that it's it's important, and there's an opportunity to do it. You know, we're not going to win anything else this year. So, I I, th- I think he's really driven to win trophies more than more than you more than you imagine with Klopp because he doesn't really give he, give he gives a bit away, but he doesn't really show his disappointments too much. He just he moves on and looks at the positives. But I think there's a He's been here a while and he feels that he's got to deliver something soon and I think he thinks we can genuinely do it. I think he can roll the Champions League, his own Champions League final loss into that yeah. as well, of, of disappointment around trophies and things. Um, just because, as you say, on a personal level, he, I, I think he's he's widely considered to be one of the best managers in the world, You know, maybe amongst the top five. That's all well and good, people saying that, but you've got you, you've then got to go and prove it. And you know, you, whatever we we might all think about Jose Mourinho on it, his personality and the style of football that he plays and all that sort of thing, the one thing that you could never level at him is that he doesn't win when it comes down to it. When he, oh, he, he wins finals, win and, it. and there's an argument that Jurgen Klopp doesn't. And that's and I think that will be playing on his mind of get, of getting over that hurdle for himself and also for the mentality of the the players. And I, and I wonder how much they're looking at the future, how much they're looking at what's to come. Things like the, you know, I I always look, look back and think, I, I don't think anything would have stopped Manchester United being the force that they were throughout the, the 90s and, and into the 2000s. But that 96 FA Cup final, if that went the other way round, you wonder what might have happened with the Liverpool team moving forward. Well, momentum shift. I, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily that, that, that they would have stopped United being that, but maybe we would have won a title by now if, the, if they'd have... Because... History is written by the winners, and United and Liverpool. All of the players went out for drinks in clubs. All of the players de- dated pop stars, but it was the Liverpool, it was the Spice Boys, and United did with the serious, you know, the serious contenders. We, we did a thing. Sorry to interrupt you. No, and we did a thing with with Gary McAllister on Friday night, and he talks about uh, his time with Julie there, and he said he referenced the Worthington Cup win as as something that gave the side belief in terms of going on and winning trophies. I even think. Just little shifts in momentum this season. Manchester City's win at Bournemouth, then then us. You know that that then went from what well, I, I was on holiday watching that game against City. And I went, oh, if they drop points, then it's, it's, it's a real blow to the title chances because the top six looked so good at the time. And then Man City just were unstoppable then, and they won the title by Christmas. And I think you, I think you're right. I think this momentum change or shift or whatever, I think it could be defined. I think you've seen with us games. this season. I, I think you've seen with us this season. Go back to you, Adam. You know, for instance, I think you've felt the momentum. And I think as much off the pitch as on it, but off the pitch does matter. The manager says it matters, so let's take him at face value. From Leicester at home, uh, between Christmas and New Year, you know, I think you've felt that Liverpool sort of this, the, 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 a bit of a coalescing around something, a bit of, and, and it kind of, you know, the other thing Gary McAllister talks about is the importance of the his free kick winner at the, in that derby when yeah. we were talking to him, of that, in order to kick it on the rest of that season, that does win the two trophies and all of that. And, you know, it doesn't take much, does it? It doesn't take much to, to, to get that, to get that thing, to get that, to get everyone pushing forward. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's fascinating that, that, that supporters, and I know it's oftentimes, when it when another t- when a rival team wins something like the league cup supporters will often belittle it and call you know the, the the Mickey Mouse trophy and all that sort of thing players don't think like that it's a, it's another it's another trophy in the cabinet players you know it matters to them and these you know I, I think there's a there's a general belief and these things can shift at a moment's notice depending on players that are brought in etc but there is a, there is a belief especially amongst Liverpool supporters that Liverpool and Man City are likely to be the two best teams in the country moving forward for the next few seasons something like winning the European Cup or at least just putting or, them out. Exactly, exactly what I was about to say. Or just beating them. You know, beating them. That will have a that 
it, whoever wins, I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, the be all and end all, but whoever wins and whoever loses, that will have an effect on the mentality of the players moving forward when these big moments come around. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think he was, it was Gary did make that point at the events on Friday, the Merseyside Support School events. And I think, I think you, you, can, you can see that. And it just gives everyone that kind of belief that, that something special is going to happen this season. And I think there's been a few little things referenced recently that have done that this season. Funny enough, um, quite a big one was was the was the was the crowd after the defeat at Man United and the fact that they kept singing and stuff. And the managers talked about it, the players have talked about it, and I think they looked at that and thinking, well, they're still they're still massively with us here, and we've lost the game of football. And losing a game of football, I think's been been too big for this football club on, on many occasions. You know, um, you know, I, I, quite bad for it as well. You're like, oh, suddenly you want to sell them all and things like that. And I think that that was a that was a kind of a moment we might look back on um, if, if the season ends as spectacularly as we all hope it will, that, that you know, when when everyone realised, you know, you've just lost the game, but, but, but everything's going really well here and, and everything's still positive and we still feel like that this is a season or this is a team that, that could achieve really good things. And so it's it's it's, it's moments that, 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 that reinforce that and keep them reinforcing that that's important for us moving forward. On John, on on we we always talk about you learn from defeats. And one of the things that st- struck me when I was had a bit of time this weekend thinking about these games coming up against Manchester City and thinking about what they'll be thinking about is there's actually a lot to learn from that Anfield game. That you can that Anfield game when you actually stop to 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 you know because there was that brilliant period where we got ourselves on top and we were dominant. I think within that you probably see a lot of how they might anticipate this game will go if you'd almost take those goals out, if you know what I mean. That it was tight. It was a tight first half. Liverpool started well and got ahead. But then Manchester City were on top, were on the march. And it was only really in the second half when Liverpool got that goal and then ramped it up, inspired by the crowd. But even then, City kept trying to play, kept trying to play, kept trying to play, and finally it clicked back in for them. And I I think if you are Klopp, you know, one of the main learning tools, what you and his, you and your team are going through there is the analysis of of that game as much as anything else. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's hard to look uh, too much into the Etihad one apart from to say, well, listen, no one gets sent off because it's dead out <laughs> with 10. But but I think, like, you look and look at the home game. And I was, I was actually impressed with City, how they responded to going down. 4-1 down I think we can all talk about what happens at 2-1 and 3-1 and how the Reds went and stuff like that that can happen to any football team we've seen it at Anfield but but how they responded to 4-1 I thought I thought showed a lot of character early and character that we, we probably didn't show at the Etihad but again that's that's kind of an, another story now but but I think it just, it shows in terms of it's, it's, it's going to have to be like a 90 minute football game and I know that sounds obvious but I think if if you take your foot off the gas at any point against City, they're capable of scoring one two goals, and I think it's going to be really really hard for this in this tie for it to be or even close to Betty going to the Etihad because I think I think we can play really well and I think we can win, but the idea of going there, you know, freeing freeing up or whatever, I just think I'd, it's it's really hard to imagine that because since that that game at Anfield just showed that the 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 City will. They'll always have a period where they're on top because they're such a good football team and they're really good at turning those periods into goals. And we saw that with, you know, we went in at one all and we were all like, how's that happened? You know, we played so well and they've just had that little flurry and yeah, the keeper could be better or whatever, but it's, it's you know, it's a good finish, isn't it? And, and I think they can do that to you. And even when we're 4-1 and we're like, oh great, they'll still have a, you know, they'll, they'll still manage to flurry at the end and score a couple and, and maybe our, 
maybe Liverpool's attitude would have been slightly different had it been, you know, a, a two-legged tie. Maybe we'd have at least sorted out four-two. But I think, you know, it's it's the it's going to be a case of concentration all the time, and it's going to be a case of making sure we score when we're on top, but also in, in in times when we're not, that we're just absolutely on it because they can punish you at any time. This team, they can, they've, they've got goals all over the pitch. They've got quality all over the pitch and they will have a good period at Anfield. You know, we're not going to dominate the game. They will have a good period and it's almost kind of what we do, what we manage to do in that time that's as important as what we do when we're on, we're on top. Look at the way in which it's gone in the past, Guardiola and Klopp. Um, Guardiola, isn't a sh- hasn't been averse to being quite direct when playing Jurgen Klopp sides in a, when when he when, when he's buying Munich Paul. But what he had there was he had the physical centre forward. He had someone like Lewandowski who he could go to and use as that. And one of the things that struck me when you were watching Liverpool Man City was Guardiola was saying to his sides, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. But partially because that's his only option. They haven't really got a direct out ball, which he has to say he's not he has used in the past. He's used it in periods. He's used it even, you know, at times when he was at Barcelona. It's important to say that. But that isn't on the cards for them. And I think that strikes me as, you know, if we can get on top, it is difficult for them to escape. It's as difficult for them to play as direct as we can play. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not going to stand stand here and say that I'm not I'm not worried about Sergio Aguero. I mean, this record. No, no, at all. No, no. What I mean though is that he's not going to, you know, he's not going to hold it up for you. No, no. And I mean, we seen with Man United the other week, didn't we? Just what I mean, going route one to a big strike can do for some sides against this Liverpool team. That's a, that's sort of an obvious weakness. Um, <clears throat> I, I I think Pep Guardiola's learned a lot against playing. Um, Jürgen Klopp teams and I think that's a shame for us you know the fact that he's so well versed mm. in playing Jürgen Klopp sides that there's, there's going to be no surprises there's going to be two managers absolutely at their best you can tell they really respect each other and that, in my opinion they're probably the two best in the world at the moment um, they'll, they'll, the, only, the only thing I would say is about, about this game is I think we're probably one of the only teams in Europe Pep Guardiola changes the way he plays for you know, so I think he has to think a little bit more about what they have to do defensively because he's seen that, maybe even in an arrogant way, um, that I'm Pep Guardiola, I don't change. It's plan A or a plan A. And he's, he's you know, there was a question posed to him. Uh, Last season what, when it wasn't going so well. Well, didn't he say something around like, uh, I only know one way, I've won 27 titles or something playing mm. this way, so why would I change? But I think he'll tweak for Liverpool, not necessarily change, but tweak. Um, whereas we we definitely sort of have to be aware of what Manchester City do. Jurgen Klopp is well aware of what a Pep Guardiola side does. But I, I like the fact that you know the favourites for the Champions League are coming to Anfield, nothing to change. You know that that what a, what a position that that is to be in. We're, going into the game, I think when you look at the last the last game at Anfield, Liverpool were almost defiant in in the sense that no we're really good now you know this isn't like 13-14 we would have got 11 lads with momentum behind them we were really good don't get me wrong but we, we're just generally really good we're not one injury away from a crisis we're not you know Jordan Henderson putting a bad tackle and missing a couple of games and it sort of falls to bits it's this this now is a Liverpool side that can make make changes in both legs and still be good you know so it's I mean, I'm 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 really excited for it. I mean, Palace. I wish it was Saturday. You know, Palace. Palace is in the way a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about Palace later in the week. Yeah. We're going to cover that and all, and all the stuff that we do around uh, the Anfield player. The other thing that sort of hits me with it as well, Adam is is that he's going to have to 
they're going to have to be drilled for that period when City are good. And I think that's really, really important. But and as a crowd. But the other thing as a crowd is that, you know, we, we've the atmosphere in the Man City league game was brilliant. But maybe we might just need to up it because the one thing maybe the Man City league game has done is inoculate City. They've lived through that now once and they didn't live through it at times that well, but then they emerged out the other side, as John said. There is a thing here where if you're Guardiola, you're saying you've gone through that, you've gone through that, don't worry about this, you've lived through this. It could well be that you know the crowd's got to find another level to take it up to if we really want to rattle them this time out. And I think in a lot of ways, a lot of the sort of nonsense that's been going on on social media and things like that will actually have helped that in some ways. You know, that things like newspaper reports about, you know, Man City complaining about the bus being, you know, arriving with the fans and all that sort of thing. That I think that there's a lot of things you can say about Liverpool fans, but they're not, you don't want to annoy them. I think you don't want to kind of wind them up. And I think this, it already felt like a big game. And then there's a lot of, there's a, there's a kind of general attitude of City fans of the atmosphere won't make any difference. Not that bothered. We've been there before. We, we were there in the city, you know, we were there in the league game. The atmosphere didn't make any difference, blah, blah, blah. It feels like the sort of thing where everyone's going to up it a notch because we we have to show them that they're wrong, that the atmosphere does make a difference and that actually if they think that the you know that, that the Etihad's a good atmosphere when they've got streamers going off and music playing, that's not that's not what an atmosphere is. And, you know, I've seen references to, you know, old City players have, have played in some of the biggest games in, in European football. Well, we, we, you've spoken about before on this show about the way that I think English football atmosphere is entirely different to a European atmosphere. European atmosphere is just non-stop noise and it can be very loud and it can feel very intimidating, I'm quite sure, on the pitch in certain stadiums, especially when the stands are right up above you and everything. But it, that constant noise is not the same as that as fans who understand the momentum of a game. And you know, you said before about how we scored the goals against City when the crowd went. Now was the time. The crowd realised that was the moment, and also the crowd realised towards the end of the game. Now is the time to to get behind the team and put the players off, booing, whistling. You know, all of that, all of that kind of thing going on. Um, so it 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 will be important. It, it doesn't. Supporters don't win the games, the players win the games, but giving them that extra yard, giving them that extra bit of energy, giving them that bit towards the end of a game. And and I think I think it's been underestimated what a difference Klopp's rotation has made throughout the season. Because across the board, our better players have probably got 500 minutes less in the legs than Man City's better players. And this is the time when that's going to pay off. And the last 10 minutes of a game is when that's going to matter. I've seen this. You, you just referenced there. Said a lot actually that Man City have played in all the Man City players have played in all these cauldrons in the past. I I, I don't know who has Edison, uh, the goalkeeper, uh, ben, come from Benfica. No, I'm not. I'm not having that. Carl Walker, no. Stones, no. Otamendi, the old no. lady rocks. You know, Paul. What's you that? Watch, <laughs> the old lady rocks. Like you know, you don't want to get carried away. I don't want. I don't want to put I mean, down you, the you, old lady. You, you, the quotes I've seen have been like places that the teams the city have played in, in the Champions League, but you know, it's like you know, go to Napoli in the group stages and stuff like that, and you're like, it's not, it isn't going to be the same. And I think Adam's point is right, is they'd have been better off going, oh, yeah, yeah, the atmosphere will be really good, and I feel we know it will, but like, you know, it's two leg tie, and I'm sure we can we can do a bit of city as well. Like, they'd have been better off doing that, like, rather than going, nah, nonsense. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because, like, it's just it just means that you know, it's a red rag door pulling it's it, just it. lads ordering more flares, honestly. <laughs> that's what it is. Like, and you're like, oh, yeah, oh, sound. There's people who weren't even going to go who are now like, 
<laughs> booking flights or whatever and just go, yeah, I'm, I'm not even going by the ground. Like, you know, just want to just be around. And so it is, it was, you know, a, a bit of an error, but, you know, there's, there's still 11 lads. You, you, you've got to do the business as well. I mean, these obviously Manchester City, you've got a lot of top footballers who've played in pressure situations because a lot of them are title winners and, you know, they, they're not, they're about to be title winners, the ones who aren't already. I, I just... The atmosphere thing affected them last time, so you can't deny that it's not going to affect them this time because, all right, they've had an experience of it, but it's going to ramp up again. But also, they didn't come out of that experience well. That's the other no. thing. It's it's one thing saying, you know, they, look, they you've been through this experience. Exactly. So, it's you know, if you're saying... I don't think I can't imagine a world in which Guardiola is going to be reminding them about the atmosphere other than to say you know you, you've been through it it's alright you've already experienced it yeah but we absolutely fell apart when it happened so it's not like they're going to be going oh yeah we experienced that we did we did dead well with it they didn't and I think the, the, the thing about title winners I think the thing about title winnings is that's all well and good but title wins don't come down to one game the, most, of know, the most of the they time, most of the time, to be it, fair to yeah, them. Well, and yes, it, it it did, but I think that was more about QPR throwing it away than it was about City actively winning it with Joey Barton being mental. Um, but but apart from every now and again, it is very rare for title game title wins to come down to one game. It it is over the course of a season and it isn't that same pressure until you get towards the end of the season. But even that now, City won't have that pressure this season because they've already won it. Everyone knows they've already won it. There ain't no way they're losing all of their remaining games, which is pretty much what it'll take. And and I think that, I think it's also been underplayed. Paul referenced it before, just how much that United match will, will matter because this this they've already won the title this season. The only way they can make it better is to win it against Manchester United. And that that will matter massively. I, you can't tell me that if we had the chance to win it playing against Everton, whatever games were either side of it that we wouldn't be going that's the game that winning it against Everton rubbing it in the face all of that that is huge and very excited Adam those those things together they just they matter they, you know that's what I say I think I think it's really easy for they really do matter don't uh, supporters can dispassionately play down these things and go well it doesn't matter for City that because they're going to win the title anyway so why does it matter if they win it against United it does matter do you know what, what, do you know what matters yeah. as well though they've won, the, they won the title ages ago and I was thinking this the other day in the car. I, I really want to win the title, but I sort of don't want to win it the way City have won it. They've known the title. This is almost like just I mean, a, a diluted run to the, listen. I want to win the title. <laughs> I really do. But the way they've won it this year, they, they know they've won it. They know they've won it for ages. And when they get the trophy, it's going to be nice. I'd like to thank Paul Sini for telling us we're having the wrong type of orgasm. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm shifting, saying? Shifting, I do know what you're saying a little bit, uh, but you know what? I'll, uh, I'm wrong, I'll, like. I'll take anything that's going. Um, shifting one. Oh, we're going to move on in a minute and we're going to have a chat about uh, the summer tour and the start of the season. But uh, to talk about the atmosphere, to talk about being part of that, our friends at Red's Bet, uh, there's a couple of things they're doing at the minute. The first one is there's going to be a competition which will be on the Anfield App's website uh, where you'll need to be following the Anfield App and following Red's Bet in order to win... Uh, an opportunity to get two tickets for the Manchester City home game. Uh, so you can win two tickets for the Manchester City home game if you follow following both the Anfield Wrap and following Red's Bet. Uh, and we, that will all be on the website. If you follow our Twitter, our Facebook, uh, even our Instagram, all of that will be on there about how to enter. Uh, and but and also just keep your eye on the Anfield Wrap's website. There'll be a bar at the top of the page which will allow you to enter uh, in order to be able to win two tickets. And I think they're tickets with uh, with food and things there as an option as well. But let's be honest about this. It's two tickets 
tickets to watch Liverpool play Manchester City. <laughs> All that stuff sounds absolutely it's lovely. It's nice to have a nice bar for half-time and then we can talk about, well, uh, hey, they've showed Gibbo the 4-0 up. <laughs> um, yeah, but even then, I'd have one, I'd, I, if I was in that bar, I'd be going, remember, remember Barca versus PSG last well, season, lads? Yeah. Let's uh, let's all keep our heads. Uh, but yeah, uh, so you can get two tickets uh, from our friends at Red Bet, and thank you very much for them. But the other thing they're doing at the minute as well is another competition, uh, which is where for, there'll be 3,000 free entries uh, to a fantasy football competition just for this weekend's games. It's a one-off where you enter, you set up an account, and then you can freely enter. Uh, you can freely enter the fantasy football competition. They've got it's a twenty-five thousand pound guaranteed prize pool. So that's all the prizes in total. You don't just have to win it. Uh, you get a share of that, and it's completely free for the first three thousand users. So the quicker that you sign up, the better. Uh, so if you log, if you set up your account and log in and go to the fantasy section, there's a claim entry button at the very top. Do keep your eye out for it. I missed it before and had to ring them. I've done Andy's head in at Red Belt all day today. To be honest with you, uh, I had to ring and say there it is and it will be there uh, and then you click on that you pick your starting 11 and four subs and it is just simply based off the official the standard fantasy premier league rules for points uh, apply for goals and assists and defenders and goalkeepers clean sheets etc etc uh, captains and vice captains are in there john this is exciting yeah, I'm going to get stuck in uh, almost immediately after this show finishes. In fact, if you can wrap it up as quickly as you can, um, I'm, get, I'm going to get involved. Uh, I would like £25,000. You it's, can't win it all. I mean, it's a share. So, like, the, the winner gets, like, sort of, like, like eight grand and then second place. So, you don't have to come first is what I'm saying. You can still get a sum of money. Or are you going to enter a number of times <laughs> and hope to get first, second, third, fourth, and fifth? No, no. Okay, yeah. I'd like. I mean, I'd like. Yeah, even eight grand, eight grand more than is currently in my bank account. So, um, so yeah, gonna get stuck in. Um, it is one weekend. It's a bit of a murky weekend as well. Adam, I might have looked at the fixtures before, and Chelsea are playing Spurs. City are away at Everton with one eye on Liverpool. Liverpool are away at Palace. That feels. <laughs> Liverpool will have one eye on the City game. Uh, Man United. Don't score. So what's the point? Uh, there's, there's not. Um, there's, there's. It's, it's, it's. I, I'm, I'm. It's going to be quite the challenge. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's annoying to be honest. It's an annoying set of fixtures, really, because I'd rather one where I just knew that Salah was going to score another four goals. But then everyone will be on well, that. But I know. But that's you know that's you say that. But I'm getting married this year, so I'm doing three thousand entries. So um, I need to I need to get as much as I can. Um, Adam's missus asking him why she's got no wedding cars. <laughs> you do have to, if you, you, you get one free entry, you have got to pay a sum of money for the others. I'm just saying, Adam. I'm, I, not, I'm not talking down your investment opportunity, but you know. Well, that's ruined it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. Of course, everybody be all over it. Um, but that's what I mean. That's why. That's why fantasy football is so brilliant and so irritating all at the same time, isn't it? Because you think you've got you've had, you think you've had a really brilliant week, and then you look and everyone's had the same players, and there's you know there's one that's made the difference, and it's because Ndidi scored a hat trick, which no one saw coming, or some mental thing apart from one fella in Stoke. Yeah, who's, done, who's worked the numbers out? Uh, Paul, you're going to get stuck in. Of course, yeah. As I said, eight, eight grand, 25 grand, I'll try and win their all now. Uh, whichever way it goes. So yeah, there's an entry fee, but you get one free entry. And I'd very much like the Anfield Rap listeners because we're getting first dibs on this to a certain extent. Lump on, uh, get the free entry uh, in there. As I say, the first 3,000 users can sign up for free. And also do enter our competition. We very much want you to enter our competition to win those two tickets if you get the opportunity to do so. So good luck, enjoy. Uh, hopefully you win either the tickets or that sum of money. And if you do, you know where me and Gibbo are for a pint We'll, we'll be knocking around one of Paul's bars. Uh, there we go. That's everyone. Every, everyone's happy there. Apart from Adam, if you get in a play, you can go and see that uh, at some point soon. Um, moving on then to the summer tour and the start of the season. There's a big thing here, John, and I think we are rightly so focused on this Man City game, but I was just doing a little bit of, of prep work, really, for our, for, our, for our year next year, for the Anfield Wrap. And 
as mad as that might sound to people who think that this is this this is all run off the back of a beer mat. Um, but the the quarterfinals of the World Cup, World Cup are the sixth and seventh of July. The first game of the season is the eleventh of August, and there's a chance we're playing penalty penalties friendlies before the final. The finals the fifteenth, I think, the fifteenth of July. There's every chance we're playing friendlies before. Oh, then. we will be. Almost certainly, I would say. Yeah, and it's. I think it's good. You know. It, that, that these are huge knock-on effects, I think, for the start of next season, and I think this is something the manager's already got to be getting a grip of. Yeah, they do. He'll he'll he to look. He'll be wanting to look at when he wants to be doing the real work with his squad, and that's what often these. Yeah, you know, we think of pre-season as friendlies, and we think of them as games, and we think of them as kind of oh, oh, getting everyone fit. But Jan Klopp's thinking of training camps, isn't he? And he's thinking, when am I gonna? You know, working on shape. When am I going to be, you know, looking at attacking periods of play and and, re- and and fitness as well? These triple sessions and stuff like that. So that's what he'll be looking at. So the World Cups are kind of a bit of a headache for him, really, um, in terms of when well, he doesn't know how far people are going to go. He doesn't know what you know when he's going to be getting people back because they always like to give him a, a little bit of a rest after. So. Well, they need a rest, don't they? I mean, they yeah. played right the way through. They'll yeah. need at least three weeks off. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it ends up ends up being, I think I think if they'll get away with two, they will. But I think. You know, depending on what happens between the end of the season and and the World Cup starts and and what countries do there, I think if you can get away with two, he will. But I think if you're looking at someone like Firmino, you know, who might get to a final, and it's so central to how we play, you know, he's Jurgen Klopp would be looking at that and thinking, well, do, do I really want to be going away and, and working on shape, working on attacking points of play with the lad who's who's most likely to be playing number nine? So I would imagine that. He'll be looking at the training camps and pushing them slightly later, maybe than we have done in the past. And almost looking, uh, you say the first game of the season is eleventh of August. You know, going away kind of late July rather than kind of mid July, which it's kind of been in the past. And just kind of thinking, well, I'll, I'll make everyone, you know, available as possible. And the club as well, they'll be under pressure for the stars to be out there. So they, the, you know, they'll be looking at tours as. As, as ways to get out with other fans, but they're also money-making exercises for the clubs. It's it's commercial opportunities, it's growing the, the club's brand, if you like, and growing the supporter base and, and everything that goes with that. And so if, you, if you're saying, well, well, I want to go kind of a month before, these, you know, these, these partners, these supporters, these people who are trying to sell tickets for these games, they want to be seeing, what well, was Mo Salah coming? What do you mean you don't know? And it's and it's it's things like that that the, the club have kind of got to think about. So it is a bit of a messy one when the, when there is a, a big tournament that kind of all the top players are involved with really, and and that's what they'll they'll want to be thinking about now. But Jurgen, look, he's aware he's a manager of Liverpool, and he's aware that that entails, and he's aware that you know if if, if Liverpool want to be buying players, then the money needs to come from somewhere. He's he's aware of these things. He's not stupid, but his but his prime focus will be when we're getting that week where everyone's going to leave me alone and we're just going to be, you know, running drills, running attacking play, you know, running kind of, you know, these things where we've seen little clips of where they're just running things again and again and again. When am I getting that week? That'll be his main focus. He does know what he's doing on that front though because, of course, his title with, I think it was his first title, wasn't it, with Dortmund came after the 2010 World Cup. So it is something that he's, he's done before where he's had to think about Working out how are we going to get prepared but for the fewer, season in front fewer of us. commercial responsibilities as Dortmund manager, as John's points out. That back then there were, even now there are, but back then it was very much we all go for a training camp and go and live in the woods, boys. He's not got, <laughs> you know, he's not got that option with Liverpool as yet. No, and that is entirely fair. But by the same token, it, it it's still the same 
essence of what you're doing of figuring out how do I get the players that I want yeah. to work with and the time to work with them, as John said. And it it may not be a bad thing for Liverpool season to get that done as close to the start of the season as possible because so you know there have been times where we have the the under the last two seasons under Klopp is actual full seasons. The first one was that 4-3 against Arsenal, which was absolutely bananas and could have gone any which way. And the second one was a 3-all with Watford. So it's it, neither of them were ones where you would say we put in a particularly brilliant defensive display. So getting it as close to the start of the season so they're going into it, you know, 100% ready to go, if you like, might not be the way, like cramming it in almost rather than kind of stretching out and getting them gradually up to fitness, cramming it in to get them ready to go from the first whistle might not be the worst thing. Um, but it's it, the, the, the most important thing is all the clubs have got the same problems. Man City probably got more commercial responsibilities than we've got, if anything. So it's it's not like it's sort of, you know, we're at an unfair advantage, unfair disadvantage. The, the, the whole of the top five, top six teams are going to have to do exactly the same sort of preparation. I think as well, you know, I'm looking at the World Cup favourites, Germany, Brazil, France, Spain, Argentina. There's only one of our lads playing for them. You know, so presuming Emery Chan goes. Yeah, that's presuming Emery Chan goes. Well, so he's out, obviously out of contract at the end of the season. So they've only really got Firmino then, who you imagine is going deep, going all the way. And you know that, of course, you want to see all all your lads do well. But that could almost be a blessing. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm the not Dutch saying, lads haven't qualified. Dutch lads haven't qualified. You know, it's not Scotland haven't qualified. But right back, Klein's unlikely to go given the injury yeah. breakup nature of this. Carrius won't go with Germany. No, Estonia haven't qualified. That's Estonia it. haven't qualified. <laughs> so, Lads will be back quickly, and then there's there's obviously you have Senegal and Egypt. You don't imagine go deep into the tournaments. I think from a Liverpool point of view, it's it, it might not be so bad the World Cup. But if you, of course, the teams like Real Madrid are massive, massively affected. You know, you've got lads playing for Germany, for Brazil, for Argentina, that you know Barcelona, whatever. They they're, they're massively affected. But looking at the makeup of our squad and looking at who is expected to go far, even if you go past that, it's Belgium, England, you know, of six and seven favourites. England, England's all affect us, but how far do you think they're going to go? I mean, they can they can go far. I don't. I'm not saying they won't, but they're not expected to. And I, I think once they come up against one of them sides that are the favourites, they probably go out. So you might, you might. When do they normally go to America? Around the 20th of July, something like that. Would that be would that be about right? They, they could have had a two three week break by then and be home. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, all right. Um, all that's got to be thought about. Uh, but the other thing that's happening as well, Naby Keita uh, won't be going to the World Cup either. Uh, but he will be coming to Liverpool uh, over the summer. We've got a show coming for tour player listeners um, this week. Uh, we've got a show coming for tour player listeners this week, which focuses on Naby Keita and what we can expect he's going to bring to Liverpool. It's got a host of different contributors. Uh, here's a little bit of a, a set of highlights for all listeners as to what you can hear this week on tour player about Naby Keita. It'll be out on Tuesday. I think Liverpool fans should be rightly excited because he's everything that I think a clock player is. He presses well. Um, he works exceptionally hard. So he's got a work rate just like Mohamed Salah. And we all know how hard he works as well as Roberto Firmino works exceptionally hard. So he's of that ilk. And that's the way he goes around the field. The only uh, thing I might say is he can be a little hot-headed, but obviously he's still only 23. So I'm sure once he gets to Liverpool, he may calm down a little bit. He is an incredibly ambitious, determined serious and at the same time flamboyant sort of character. Um, I think he is very, very sure 
of what he wants to achieve in his football career. I think he knows exactly how to do it. I think he maybe has been miscast as this playmaker type figure in the imagination of, of people. Um, I think he might develop into that kind of player with more composure on the ball. But right now I see him as your classic box-to-box player. Seven, uh, 70 million euro uh, just to go to Liverpool. Hey, he, he, he must be world-class now. He must uh, be, be winning uh, games alone. But that doesn't work at all uh, uh, because it's, uh, it's not a way football is, uh, is working. Uh, so, um, yeah, you have people that are expecting too much. And, uh, uh, but uh, still, he's a very good player and he's uh, yeah, the best player that you have in Leipzig. So that look at Naby Keita will be available uh, through our player service, uh, theanfieldapp.com forward slash subscribe if you don't already. There's obviously loads of fantastic stuff uh, on there in general, but there's loads of really good stuff this week as well. John's spoken to Rory Smith about Andy Robertson, but more the idea of what Andy Robertson sort of represents. That's going to be coming out this week. Uh, there's going to be a Central League show that looks into the young players who are currently out on loan and whether or not they can do a job for Liverpool next season. That's going to be on there. Paul Senior's European show, which takes a look at the European game and what's going on on the continent. That's that's going to be on there this week. The point, the point I'm making here is that you very much do get your value for the £5 a month, first and foremost. But secondly, the point I then make is there isn't an exam at the end. You have not got to listen to it all. See it as a Netflix-style service and see what you enjoy. No one expects you to listen to all the Netflix. There's so much on there, so much good stuff that we're absolutely certain that if you listen to the Anfield Wrap, you'll find something you like across our tour player service. So, yeah, theanfieldwrap.com, I'll get the address right, forward slash subscribe for all of that. We'd love you to come on board with us for the running of this season. And obviously, with that Manchester City game on the horizon, we've got loads and loads of good stuff for you around that as well um, moving on to the other thing that we talk about back there we talk about transfers quite a lot John and the first and foremost is this squad in terms of strengthening it well we already know one way in which it's going to get strengthened Liverpool are buying Naby Keita beyond that um, it seems to me that it's not there's a couple of areas where I think it's really quite clear cut what you'd do. Uh, there's someone I think there obviously needs to be another really good quality attacking player added. I think if Emre Chan goes, he'll need to be replaced and replaced with someone who can genuinely compete with and arguably ideally surpass Henderson for that deep lying midfield role. Beyond that, it's not quite as clear cut as it has been in the past in terms of what you would do, say, at centre back or Carius is also muddy in the waters around goalkeeper. Yeah, I think that's all fair. I think it's interesting that uh, James Pearce has uh, rubbished the uh, awareness stuff this morning. Uh, rubbish might be pushing it, but, but saying he doesn't, he, he's he's led to believe that the interest in, in, in Timo Werner isn't that strong, which makes you think, oh, okay, well, well, who are they interested in? Because I, I refuse to believe that they'll go in to next season with exactly the same forward line. Um, uh, James Pearce in the, in the article talks about how how they, they have more faith in Ings Solanke than than people might imagine, and then there's also the emergence of Ryan Brewster, who apparently next season will be very much seen as a first team player. That said, it, it, even with that, it still doesn't feel like enough to me. So I imagine that that they're looking for forward, but not necessarily a striker to kind of supplement those. So I think we'd all we'd all like someone who can play in that front three, if indeed he plays a front three next season, because I don't think he's necessarily as wedded to it as some people might think. But I think we all we all agree that, that one more body up there, either either be a wide forward or someone who, who plays more through the middle, is very much necessary. I imagine he'll still buy another midfielder, even when Naby Keita larger, because I think Emery Chan's gonna go. And then but then behind that, as you say, it's 
it's it, it gets a little bit a little bit trickier or a little bit more difficult to predict. Will he go for another centre half or will he kind of stick what he is? Full backs we look pretty good uh, at the moment, pretty pretty well covered. And I know he has faith in him, but if but if Joe Gomez is becoming a centre half, does he does he need to be thinking about full back? You know. Ha- what can we get from the fan new climb? Only only the coaches and management will, will know really because the us fans are a little bit on the dark on that. Left back, we look to be well covered all of a sudden. I think that probably depends on Moreno and what he what he's kind of willing to accept. Although I think I'm sure they're still looking at Sessionis Fulham from Fulham as a general wide left player. I got told off for of calling him a left back on that Central League show you mentioned. Um, Sammy, who's, who who does the, the the Fulham podcast, told me very clearly that he isn't a left back and that is a myth. Uh, so that was an interesting one. Every day's a school day. Um, <laughs> the keeper thing, I still expect. five pounds a month. Does John get bodied by Fulham fans? Come on, let's <laughs> round up. I prefer I prefer educated if you will, but uh, but yeah, um, and then and then the goalkeeper one I still expect him to go for one. But as you say, if look if Carrius gets us helps get us through this Champions League quarter final tie and and through to through to you know on the on the on the march to Kiev, then then he's then he's he's making it more interesting there. It's great that we don't have to rip it up and start again. That's all I'll I'll, I'll finish on on kind of transfers. There's been summers where I've I've gone, you know, where do you start? Almost sell a lot of them and kind of start again. And really now I think it's first of all it's, it's tricky to get into this team because it's really good but 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 secondly you know it's 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 a I think it is a bit more clear where 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 there's where there is are two or three shortages and where there are two or three ways to improve and if you can do that and let's be honest that's what Man City did last summer Man City identified the two or three areas that they really need to improve they went big on them and then the you know the, the rest is history that's what I'm expecting as well to be honest with you I I think the se- the season we've seen Chelsea propel themselves was the year that they went and got Costa and Fabregas. Yeah. Obviously, Manchester City do what they do in the summer with, with Walker, Danilo, Mendy, um, and the goalkeeper. And and you know, no one's talking about Manchester City at the end of last season about the side that's going to go and dominate the league next season. There was, you, you, if anything, you imagine Chelsea would just come back and win it again this year. They made they made the right changes in the right areas, and all of a sudden they look unstoppable. There's no reason to say we can't do that. We're adding we're adding the midfielder that the whole of Europe wanted. We got him. You know, Jorginho is the, is the other name that's being banded about and not being knocked back. Um, so there's a genuine interest there in a lad who is sort of the linchpin for one of the other most exciting sides in Europe. You know, competing for the uh, the Serie A title against a Juventus side that doesn't really lose. So. I think I think positions have been identified for for just top quality additions. What you know, John says, where do you start? It is difficult because you're replacing lads that are really, really good, and that's what, where do you start? Because someone really good loses the place, and that that that's such a well, it feels unique for me as a Liverpool fan. That's sort of born late eighties to go. Wow, it's it's hard to see where you start because we're actually so good. So it's a way of of us thinking about just putting, I don't know, three fifty million lads into the side rather than taking that hundred and fifty million and trying to get ten players out of it just to cover loads of different areas is is nice is a nice problem to have. I think the other thing that's quite exciting is that it, it, it feels at the moment like the decisions we're making in the transfer market are the right ones. It's not the right in, in years gone by, especially under Benitez, there would be a, a, a sort of temptation to do incremental increases. Whereas now it seems to be Klopp has got the, the, his targets or he's got players that somebody will say to him, What do you think about? And he's happy to say yes to them and not anybody else. So it feels like signings we make will generally improve us. And, and I think that the only player, 
I think that we've signed that the jury was out on at all was Carrius. And even he has played well enough recently to say that he wasn't a complete failure, whatever happens in the summer, whether we go and buy another uh, goalkeeper. I I mean, we definitely will because, uh, you know, praise everything that B. Mignolet will be leaving and I'll be running around Bold Street in my underpants. Uh, He said this morning as well he wants to fight for his place. uh, Well, he can fight somewhere else. Um, (laughs) I... I don't see him still being here. I think we've definitely been getting a, a, a goalkeeper in, and um, and the you know whether that's Allison and it's a proper strong you know best goalkeeper in the world scenario, or it's somebody who's just really good. That there will be that decision, and it feels like every single decision that's being made by Klopp on the and the transfer you know gang it, are all the right decisions, and and that's exciting for once that we don't need to necessarily think who, who's this lad that we're signing from some random you know team in in Europe. We can actually go, oh, brilliant! Well, he, mu- he must be great because they want him, and everybody else we've signed being great, which is a, a really refreshing place to be in. I think Klopp and the transfer gang are playing Sound City this year. <laughs> um, quite high up on the poster. Um, Adam, John's saying only one forward I want to. I'll have a young I'll have I'll have his left back at Fulham. Um says yeah, yeah. I'll have him and and an absolute belter. I'd like to see them get a get, get I, I think how you cover that sense how you cover those three is by buying two. Yes, and I hope that we do also because I think that the the thing is what we would like is we're talking about the rotation that we might make for the Everton game earlier. And we're talking about Ings and I like Ings and I hope Ings is still here next season because I like him. I like him. I'd like, you know, I'd like him to get the cup games and all that. And I'd like him to come in for matches, but, but he's not at the level of Firmino. He's not at the level of Mane. He's not at the level of Salah. And the drop off is, is quite big, even though I, I do like him and rate him as a footballer. So, I would like us to have players where 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 we can rotate, where we can have a you know essentially one front three on the Wednesday and a different front three on the Saturday, and us not be feeling like ah oh, that's a bit of a drop off there, isn't it? And the only way you do that is as you say to buy enough players to cover those positions. But the, look, the, the the best things about about transfers, and I think the reason that. Rob Gutman's able to make so many shows about them is that it's all smoke and mirrors. You know, the, the James Pierce thing this morning, you know, oh yeah, Liverpool aren't interested at all. I, well, we weren't interested in Van Dyke, so I don't know who's playing for us in centre-back because, you know, we the club made officially known that we weren't interested. It, I, I'm intrigued by all of these sorts of things and Lamar, the same one, Liverpool aren't, we've, 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 we've withdrawn all interest. Well, maybe we haven't come the summertime, I don't know. And it's why it's so fascinating because... You don't know who we're going to get linked with, and I think even even the Salah link that didn't happen until the summer. That didn't happen until the you know until the season was over. We weren't really linked with with Salah, and then it was a bit of a saga for a month or so. But which makes us, I think, everybody think that we were linked with him for ages. We weren't. It just went on for a little bit. I think. So it's it, it, it. I think it, from the point at which he was linked, it was like he's almost certainly coming. Yeah, exactly that. So it, it, it's what's it's what's going to make this summer exciting because you know the the World Cup's going on. Whether you you like international tournaments or not, you know whatever the the, the transfer links that w- that we will have made with the club will be fun because there'll be good players and we'll be going tell you what these really good you know the, the ones where we haven't heard much about is the outs and I think there's almost certainly going to be some um, you know the, for example we haven't seen Lallana all year and that I, don't get me wrong I, I really rate Adam Lallana as a footballer but do, is, is he in the plans for next year is he not you know he's a, he's a, a lad of a certain age now can he guarantee his place and if he can't is it going to be for him you know especially if you're adding Obviously, we expect Chan to go, but you're adding Kaiser, who's sort of 
a number eight. So he plays in this position. We've already had the Oxley Chamberlain who's ahead of him in the pecking order. Wijnaldum's still there. There might be a question around Wijnaldum's future for the summer. I, I really rate Wijnaldum, but if if you're doing Jorginho and Kaita, for example, is the one where he goes, well, you know, I don't want to be a bit part. I'm, I feel like I'm better than that. We've got a new Dutch manager. There's... The, the the ones where we're, where we're light, I suppose, is 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 up top, and then we're we're seeing links rubbished already. Um, for someone I thought would be a really good addition. That that being said, I, I do agree with Adam that you seen. I think we I think we got linked with Alex Oxley Chamberlain in March last year, and that was that was rubbished early on. But then you signed him in August, so that was a more, the opposite of Salah. That was the more protracted one, you know. So. Um. Anyone internally, John? Is there anyone any, any, anyone younger you think it's worth them keeping it's, eye on? I mean, the only ones boosted it really, realistically. Not of lads who were on loan. No, I mean, that's that's difficult because you're in a Harry Wilson position where you're like, well, what more can he do? Um, and he's sort of been in that for a while and now even more so because he's gone to Hull and he's, and he's playing terrifically well for them. And they're a club that's really struggling on and off the pitch. And he's gone there and just kind of been a breath of fresh air for them and he's scoring goals and he's created. So you are getting to the point with Harry Wilson. I think he 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 might be one who's who's got his eye on the summer and thinking, well, I can have a really big pre-season. I've got one more pre-season where yeah. this, this either happens or I just go. Especially if a few of the lads who are, are away or whatever and, and, I'll, and I'll have a chance, I think. Did, didn't he give him five years before he went? I think he went on contract and signed. And signed yeah. And, sorry, went on yeah, contract and signed. Yeah, contract the same but, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't look too much into those. I mean, the, the contracts can be as much about protecting the value as they are, yeah. or saying kind of we believe in you really. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't kind of necessarily look, in, look in too too much into that. I think Ryan Ken who's at Bristol City, is probably a little bit a little bit old now for him to happen at Liverpool. Grujic is quite an interesting one because he's done pretty well at Cardiff and they might get promoted, but then, then they might decide, well, we'll have another season there. If, if you know, if, if kind of Cardiff come he's up. Played, he's played Saturn from the back four as well, hasn't he? Which is quite interesting. Yeah. But he has, yeah. So, so Grujic is impressed. What's interesting on this Central League show again, which will be out on, on tour player this week, is that Ojo and Ajaria, although praised, I think both fans said that they, they, they probably need another season in the Championship, never mind quite in the Premier League yet. So we're, we're looking at them. And you know, if you're analysing whether they're Liverpool ready, I mean, those fans are saying, you know, they're not even sure if they're Premier League ready, really. So, although it's, you know, going to play for Sunderland is very difficult. Different from playing for Liverpool and the Sunderland fan we spoke to, um, Steve kind of acknowledged that. But I think in terms of promotion, I think it's only really Brewster and I think that's as much to try and get him to sign a new contract as it is anything else because Brewster's still not signed a professional contract. Excellent stuff, all right. Uh, if we all went to our Tenerife meeting, uh, what would be our what would be the thing we'd have said to the manager in terms of the transfers? What would uh, he's, he's, he's called us in, boys, and he said... I'm looking at this summer. Uh, what, 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 what would you like to see me? What would you like to see the club try and do? Come on, boys, one on one, Paul. I, I still think there probably needs to be a look at the goalkeeper. Um, I've liked what I've seen of Carius in the sort of second coming recently. Um, I think I think he brings a, a lot different to what Mignolet brings, and I actually thought he was a worse goalkeeper. I think I'm now wrong on that point. Um, what what was I like to see him do? Yeah, I, I would like him to to go as hard as he can for Allison. I mean, if he's keeping Edison out the Brazil side, there must be something about him. So yeah, I absolutely would like us to go all in for Allison. Adam, what are you, what, what are you asking him? It's quite dull, but I I think something around the the right back area because I don't think Klein's going to come back anywhere near what he needs to be, and I'm not convinced that 
Gomez is a long-term right-back. I think we know that he's meant to be moving into centre-back. And I think Trent's the sort of player that you might want to move further forward as time goes by. And it, it's the it's arguably the most boring thing. But I, I'm, I'm uh, the one that's dead defensive minded so and also I was going to say goalkeeper stuff and Paul said that already so you know we had to chat on the way out okay good John for me it's right up at the top of the, the, the field I think it's the most important thing I think we need to find who's the next Musala who is he and, and, and where's he playing and, and let's quite try and get him in and, and look find, trying to find a player who's had the impact that Musala has had is going to be very very difficult if maybe impossible but that doesn't mean you don't try and I think that that doesn't mean you don't try and, and get them and that doesn't mean look we stole a march on everyone and Musala didn't we there must be I'm sure there's chairman all around the world going out on AFC here at Liverpool for 35 million and, and we weren't in for them the sporting directors getting bollocked all over the place and, and quite right in a way you know what I mean and I think I think that that will be happening so who's the next one who's the next one that we, we can be ahead of the game one because we do need another another forward play we do need another player to play in that in that front three at least one I take your point on two and I'm often conservative on these things and and and, and maybe get proved wrong so that's what I'll be looking at I'll be saying okay who's this lad he can play in the front three he's got every, he's got all the attributes you know you've you've, you've found me them already you know the the, the the transfer gang, the Yankov's backing band. You've got me for me, you know, you know, you've proved you can do it. You've got me Salah, you've got me Manny. These are three lads who are perfect for how we play. Who's the next one? Go out and get him. What would you do? Um all right. <laughs> um I just I just like slide a portrait picture of uh of Gareth Bale over his desk and just put that in front of him and just say, have a little look at that and let's have a big long think about his injury record and whether or not we can, because we can rotate and whether or not we could, we could really get something out of him. Because if you ever ask me for a fantasy nonsense scenario, I'll just always say Liverpool should buy Gareth Bale. So Jurgen Klopp doesn't no longer respect my opinion <laughs> on the one hand, not that he ever did, but on the other hand, uh, I've, I've had my nice little three minutes of saying, buy Sessignon and Gareth Bale and just uh, let's have a laugh. Genuinely, that's bad. Honestly, I was. Th- I had a big think about it over the weekend. Does, does, does chat he's around? He's really good at football. I mean, it's fantastic. It's his, injury, his injury record's terrible. He's yeah, on a ton yeah, of money, yeah. but I think you can probably get him to take a pay cut. He's got to go somewhere. You'd have thought, and I just sort of think, oh god, imagine he play for Liverpool. It might, honestly, seriously, like it's it's go the ground stuff in a Newcastle manner. If you, <laughs> if, if three o'clock on a Tuesday, honestly, honestly, I, I just imagine it comes out that Liverpool. He's the new Chris Wood, as far as I'm concerned. Just imagine it comes I mean, that's, out. That's what he's always dreamed of being. Uh, just imagine. <laughs> He's good at it as well. Just imagine it comes out. Liverpool is seriously linked with Gareth Bale. How excited everyone would be! And I know it's ridiculous. And I know it won't happen. And I know it's daft. And I know we're more likely to try and find the new one and all of that. And I know that's all the logical thing to do. I just sit around and imagine Gareth Bale wearing the red of the Mighty Boys uh, and going from there. And he already he looks great in red. Anyway, listen. Thank you very much to Jurgen Klopp and his team for shooting off the Tenerife uh, for the Naby Keita preview. Do have a good think about the Red Bet thing. The Anfield Rap is brought to you this year in association with Red Bet. Very proud of the involvement there. And thank you very much to Adam to. John and to Paul. That has been this week's Anfield Wrap. Sports Social Podcast Network.